In a world where mailmen also deliver secrets, they also deliver pizzas, but they also deliver dark secrets. There's only one man who can unmask the whole operation, and he's going postal, and he's gonna show the mailman that they can't hold the nation's secrets without sharing, cause secret secrets are no fun, and he's gonna get those mailmen. <laughs> and there's only one man who can do it, and I am that man. <laughs> Hello, hi. Welcome to Geek Film Critic where we explore the best, worst, and most middle in the world of cinema. I'm Luke Jackson. I'm your host. I'm your best friend. I'm your crunchy new cereal. Pour me in some milk and gobble me up. Um, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here. You know, this podcast has just skyrocketed. Ever since I, ever since I started recording, we've peaked at like three listeners. So, you know, if you're one of the three... I am so grateful, and I really like doing it, so it's for me and not for you, so I don't care what you think. Um, this week was huge for me because I hit cinemas, and I haven't done that in a while, and I and I went into theaters to catch what was probably one of my most, uh, my more anticipated films of the summer, which was Nobody, which was from the writer of John Wick, Derek Kolstad, and uh, in a word, the entire experience was uh, a touch disappointing. Um, <laughs> Nobody is a, a theater exclusive, which is really rare nowadays. We don't we haven't gotten very many theaters exclusives over the last year. And I have actually gone to the theater a few times and I've had some really good experiences. But this one was not my favorite because it was in like a really small theater at the back quarter corner of the uh, of the of the cinema holder. The movie theater? What is the plural? I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> and Godzilla and King Kong was playing in the theater across the hall. And it was so much louder than our movie. So we kept getting snippets. Which is a little bit frustrating. A little bit of poor planning there, I think. Anyways. The the, the environment wasn't as disappointing as the film itself. And um, before I get going into why nobody... Why I had a hard time with it. Um, I think part of my issue was like this film was marketed and if you've seen the trailers it was marketed as john wick right just with bob odenkirk instead of keanu reeves and so like the trailer is almost beat for beat a john wick story and so my expectations were and it's from the writer of john wick so my expectations were oh great i'm gonna go it's a it's a 90 minute film i'm gonna see bob odenkirk kick some butt for 90 minutes it's gonna be john wick it's gonna be great and so you know, I think my expectations were too high, first of all. And I also, like, I really love the John Wick franchise. I think they're they're not fantastic movies by any means, but they're, they they kind of lean into this um, satirical realm of an action film, which really leans into how ridiculous action films' plots can be and how they don't make sense and they're just overly gory and overly violent. And John Wick, I think, really excels at playing satirically with that which is something that nobody didn't. And so I think my expectations were too high and I probably shouldn't have gone in expecting John Wick, but the way it was marketed and it was from the same people, so or the same writer at least. So I was I was I was too stoked for this one and I was and I was unfortunately let down. So uh, the film Nobody, it follows uh, Hutch Mansell. He was a former army auditor 
And he has this mysterious past, but he's now this low-key family man. And his house gets broken into, and when that happens, he has the chance to apprehend the bystanders. But instead, sorry, not apprehend the bystanders. He has the chance to apprehend the, the robbers, but instead he stands by. And his son, his brother, and his wife are all disappointed by this because he had this chance to, to fight the people who broke in. And instead, he just kind of stood by and didn't do anything. And so later, his daughter mentions that her kitty cat bracelet is missing. And this causes Hutch to go on a sort of rampage to find the people who broke in, assuming that they have the kitty cat bracelet. So he, he goes on this short little quest and finds... The people who broke in, they don't have the kitty cat bracelet, and he doesn't beat them up, and so he's pissed, and he meets some drunk Russians on a bus, and he beats them up, and he kills one of them, and he kills one, well, he kills a bunch of them, I'm sure, I don't, we don't really know how many of them are actually dead, but one of them who he kills has a brother named Yulian, who is this big Russian gangster, he's a big deal, and he kind of, he holds all the funds for all of the mu- Russian mobs, so he's like a, he's a big deal. And so because he killed his brother, Russians come after Hutch, and Rutch, Hutch kills them all, bada bing, bada boom, and he's, you know what I mean, he's, he's John Wick, he's, he's back from retirement, and he's fighting all the Russians who are going to beat him up, and that's the movie. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> and you know what I mean, it sounds a lot like John Wick, right? Because essentially it is, right? Except in John Wick, John Wick's wife dies, and then his dog gets killed. And in this one... Bob Odenkirk's Hutch Mansell's family doesn't die. And he goes after the Russian firsts instead of vice versa. And I I guess, you know what I mean? I was expecting John Wick, but in some ways I was disappointed that there was no variation in the story. It was almost just like a copy paste, which kind of, I know, makes me contradict myself in a way, but I kind of walked to this weird line of being just like watered down John Wick, just worse John Wick in, in the narrative. Because one thing that John Wick does really well that this film does quite horribly is building a world where where this violence and this person can exist. This person who's just a badass who who kills everybody that he's ever come to contact with. That his job in in his former life was to just essentially kill people. And in John Wick, it's set in this world where like essentially everybody is an assassin, right? There's a, a hotel for assassins around the world, the Continental, and, and this film, nobody. It's just set in the real world, and so we don't get that cool kind of alternate reality context and universe, and so it just it doesn't make it as fun because it's just like, yeah, it's just it's a nobody, it's just some guy, and it's like yeah, like I I, I get it, but that's not. I don't know, the concept didn't intrigue me as much, which immediately kind of took me out of the film because I was I was less intrigued by this concept because I didn't care about this dude. Um, and, and my first issue with the film started very early in the film. It was one of the first scenes. It's um, So it was after, well, I guess not really the first, it's after like kind of the inciting event of this break into his house where he does nothing, which happens right at the beginning. And the cop, the next morning, the cop's at his house. And the cop says to him, the cop's like, you didn't even take a swing? And this cop's like <laughs> totally bashing on this dude, a victim of a home <laughs> home invasion, being like, you're such a loser, dude. You doesn't even fight them, dude. If that was my house, dude, I would have killed them all, dude. And it's from a cop. <laughs> like, what a douchebag. Who says that kind of stuff? And he's not even the, f- he's not the only person who accosts him. 
Hutch for getting his house broken into. Later, his neighbor's like, oh, dude, I wish that was my house, dude. I would have killed all those dudes. A little bit of practice for these fists of mine. And I just thought it was so stupid. Because, like, I get it. You know what I mean? I think... And I think it would have been way better if that was internalized. Right? Uh, It's like a show-don't-tell kind of thing where... And Bob Odenkirk's a good actor. And he does this anyways in the film. As you see him, he's like, I really should have done something there and there's this scene where he has a golf club during the break-in and he goes to swing on the on one of the intruders and he doesn't and then after he's disappointed and that's all you need right you don't need to have someone be like oh you didn't even swing did <laughs> so unnecessarily <laughs> on the nose showing not telling which is just it just made the film feel so campy and almost like a fan fiction film, right? Just kind of like somebody watched John Wick and was like, this is my version. But it's from the same dude who did John Wick, you know? And so it's disappointing because it was just dumb. And it just kind of introduced this theme of bad writing throughout. And it's not like the writing in John Wick is fantastic, right? It's all cliched. It's all goofy. It's all, I need more guns. You know what I mean? Guns. Lots of guns. That's what Keanu Reeves says. And so... But in this film, it's more cringy because it doesn't have this dark, cool universe. It's just the real world. And also the 90-minute runtime, which I'll get into a little bit more later, it caused the whole thing to feel forced or rushed and just made every line cringy, right? Like I, I, there, Every line was bad. I did, there was not one thing that was said that I was like, wow, that was, that was a cool line. I liked that. Everything was bad, right? <laughs> one of my favorite examples of a bad line in this film is at one point when uh, John Wick, these intruders... Who break into his house? Not John Wick, sorry. Hutch Mansell, which, come on. Hutch Mansell does not flow off the tongue. Anyways, these, dude, these two people break in, and Hutch notices one of them has a bird tattoo. So when he starts his hunt to find them, he goes to different tattoo parlors looking for this bird tattoo to see if he can find that person. And he goes into this one tattoo shop, and they're like, what are you doing here? Don't question us. And he, they have, like, brass knuckles, and there's a guy with a baseball bat, and... Hutch holds up this thing of cash and is like, I'm willing to pay to, for information. And the guy at the tattoo parlor is like, that's a lot of cheese you just flashed. Direct quote. And Hutch Mansell goes, Hutch says, there are three types of people who flash cheese. And then goes on this weird, stupid little like m- short monologue about how there's people who are like flashing cheese because they want attention or flashing cheese because they want... I can't remember what the other one was, but the last one was they're flashing cheese because they wish somebody would take it from them. And that's him. <laughs> and one, that situation is ridiculous. Don't be like, I'm going to buy information, but also be like, but come take it from me. I'll try to kill you. Really makes no sense. Also, who writes on a piece of paper, that's a lot of cheese you just flashed, and said, yep, that's going in the movie. That's perfect. That's what I need in the film. Brutal. <laughs> and anyways, the writing throughout was just rough. Another aspect that was really, really poorly done was the editing throughout the film. Right, The first sequence of the film, there's not a shot that's longer than one second. It's these very rapid, quick cuts that show um, Hutch about his day, missing the garbage, missing the garbage man, drinking coffee, going to work, typing things into a spreadsheet. Like It's just very quick and rapid, but it makes the whole thing feel like a commercial. Right, and it's absolutely berating to your eyes. It looks ugly. It feels bad because it's these quick cuts, and then it has these quick cuts throughout. 
right? It's these very, very rushed cuts where nothing breathes. Moments end really quickly and immediately, like after big moments, big fighting moments, which could really show us some character depth, like the second the fighting ends, it cuts to the next scene. It doesn't breathe throughout the entire film. And a lot of times the cuts aren't like five minutes later, it's hours later. And so these really quick cuts made a very inconsistent visual language, which was not hard to follow, but hard to watch because it made the whole film look ugly. And on top of that, the way this film was shot, some of the choices for these shots are so ugly. The cinematography was horrible. It just looked bad. And I mean, not all of it looked bad. Most of it looked fine, but there were a couple shots, one in particular that really was just like, I saw it and I, and I, I couldn't believe that, again, it got into the film. It was so ugly. It's at this one point where um, Hutch's family, he tells them to leave and they're in the garage and they're talking in the garage. And the way that this shot is shot, the way that this is filmed was the worst thing I've ever seen. The camera is placed at the back of the car. So imagine, literally imagine you're in a garage and you're standing in front of a minivan at the headlights. The camera is placed on the hood or not even on the hood, on the roof of the car. So you see like 50% of the shot, 60% of the shot is just filled with car roof, right? And then the garage door is closed and the lights in the car are on and the garage door is white. So all we see is this incredibly bright and it's like hurt your eyes bright shot where the only thing that's lit is the garage door and in the shadows on opposite sides of the car are Hutch and his wife talking in the shadows. <laughs> it's so ugly and it was so distracting and they put that shot in two times they cut to this and it's so ugly, so hard to look at and made no sense. Like, why, why do that? Why put yourself in this garage where it looks ugly? Why fill 60% of the frame with the car roof? It, it was so ugly. It was hard to watch. And along with the ugly film, inconsistent rushing of the cuts, there was also an inconsistent auditory language. The music cues and the needle drops were so odd. And each of them, none of them, none of them created a consistent flow. The flow was horrible. So choppy. Each fighting sequence had its own auditory language, if that makes sense. Like that none of them followed the same formula. Each of them could have been in their own film. Like they don't go together, right? We have like fight scenes where there's no sound just silent or no no some music there's obviously the sound effects of people being punched and the fighting but it's silent and that's all we hear there's fighting scenes where we have just like this kind of low score this low dark edgy score in the background there's a, a fighting scene where we have like 80s rock there's a couple fighting scenes where we have like a sammy davis jr song or like a dean martin song or a louis armstrong song and so like all that made me feel throughout is just pick one you know, the first fight scene, which isn't even a fight scene, like it's it's a it's a ramp up to the fight scene, it's to build tension where where these drunk Russians are on the bus and John Wick goes to close again John Wick. Hutch goes to close the 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 bus doors to be like, I'm gonna beat the crap out of these these drunk dudes, these Russians. And um Sammy Davis Jr. is playing. 
And I thought, okay, you know what? I can get behind this. I want to see Bob Odenkirk beat the crap out of some dudes while listening to Sammy Davis Jr. Adds a class, adds a level of, yeah, class of fanciness. I can't think of a better word to the to the sequence. I'm into it. But the second he closes the bus doors, it's silent. And we just hear the sounds of him fighting people. And that didn't work for me. I didn't like that. And then later we have, again, it just switches every single time. And for what this did for me is it gave me pieces of what could have been a really good movie, but didn't tie them together. It just made them feel like all different movies. And it was just disappointing because it just showed me more what this movie could have been and really emphasized what this movie wasn't. And there's another sequence which really bothered me where they're playing Louis Armstrong, uh, It's a Wonderful World, where he burns his house down with a bunch of dead Russians inside of it. So he's burning this house down and what a wonderful world is playing. And it's kind of a cool sequence, right? He, How the house burns down, it's like he designed this house to be able to be burned down if it needed to. And he has a record that he plays. And then when the needle drops on the record, flames come out, which is cool, right? It's a cool idea. Sure. But then he's walking outside of his burning house and he walks up to his neighbor's car and he punches through the window. And through this five second gap of him punching through the window and getting in the car, music cuts out. And we just hear crash in the car, start of the car. There's like a line of dialogue and he drives away and the music starts again. And that choice made no sense. We didn't need that. And I think it was just like the direction was bad. <laughs> this The director didn't do a very good job of creating a consistent visual and auditory language that created a flow in the movie that made the movie fun and easy to watch. For me, it felt choppy and berating and really just took me out of it. Uh, and so, again, I just had some issues with, with those things. And at the same time, though, when the movie works, it works really well. Like when the movie finds itself in very, very, very few places, <laughs> frankly, it's when it doesn't happen very often when it finds itself. But when it does, it works really well, which, again, to me, just showed and emphasized how disappointing this movie was because it wasn't. <laughs> a full 90 minutes of these cool sequences of these cool segments that I really liked because there were some really great fight sequences that I'll talk about for a minute here and uh, the first, when we meet Yulian who's kind of the, the big bad guy um, he's in a club and he goes into a club and he's like sings with a with it's his club and he sings with like the singer on stage and everyone's like oh my boy Yulian my man and and then there's this Russian mob there and they're like you know, that doesn't instill confidence to watch the guy who holds our money dance and sing. And Yulian breaks a glass and goes up and just like murks this dude, just really screws him up with, with this broken wine glass and kills the guy, right? And like that scene, really, really fresh, really, really unique, really, really dark and edgy. And I was like, hey, you know what? I like that. I could see this movie going somewhere. And then it didn't. <laughs> but and then also another scene that I really liked was um, when the Russians came to Hutch Bob Odenkirk's house and he he puts all his family in the basement, locks them in there, and he like just takes these guys out who have big semi-automatic guns and takes them out with knives. And there's this one of my favorite things in these action movies is when there's like unorthodox objects used to fight. And for example, like in Tenant, there's a there's a scene where John David. Washington Jr. He uh, he fights 
a dude with a cheese grater and it's great <laughs> and in this one it's kind of similar like, where he grabs a tea kettle and like bashes a dude's head in and sticks the spout of the tea kettle into his head and it was great right it's just i i love that and so that scene worked really well for me uh the, the very like the final fight scene i thought was great where it's in this big warehouse and um there it's again it's this this russian dude's been sending guys to come kill hutch and he finally comes himself and he goes to this warehouse that hutch has kind of tripped out with all these booby traps and that scene is absolutely great and it's it's really fun to watch because it's just it's hutch and hutch's brother and dad come in and his dad is played by christopher lloyd who we'll talk about in just a minute but that scene was really good and my favorite scene probably <laughs> was at one point where <laughs> it's when yulian finds out that his brother got killed right at the beginning of the film and he's in the hospital and he grabs a hospital chair and he walks into the hospital room and he just throws the hospital chair at this dude on the hospital bed and is like who did this and it just cracked me up because it was so dumb that he just threw and then he goes over and picks up the hospital chair and starts beating this dude and i just thought it was so dumb and so funny that it was hospital chair to the face <laughs> cracked me up and so but best of all, really what stole the show was Christopher freaking Lloyd, who plays uh, Bob Odenkirk's dad in this film. And he's in the final warehouse scene and he's like messing dudes up with a shotgun. <laughs> and Christopher Lloyd, you know him? Remember the old guy from Back to the Future who was the old guy? <laughs> well, he's the even older guy here and he's back. And he's only in a couple scenes, a couple like sequences, but both of them are so great. The first one he's where he's like it's been introduced uh hutch goes to visit him and then i guess so that's the second scene with him and the russian mob has found out that this is hutch's dad the guy that they're looking for and they show up at his old folks home and he pretends to be asleep and he holds a shotgun and just like murders these two dudes and it's hilarious it's great to see christopher lloyd who's we all love an old guy killing russians fantastic who doesn't love old people killing russians <laughs> And then again in this warehouse scene, it's kind of similar where he's just like going and messing these dudes up as this really, really old guy. And he has maybe six lines of dialogue throughout the film. And I couldn't understand one damn word he said because this guy is a million years old. And it was fantastic. Everything he said, glorious. And I watched the movie with my wife. And we both turned to each other in the theater and we're like, what did he just say? I couldn't catch any of that because the dude is so old. And so it was fantastic. He, he for me, was the best part of the movie. And overall, what nobody gives us is a low-budget, home-brewed, 90-minute rushed John Wick film. And, you know, I'm curious if there was some sort of studio interference, which kind of led to be a night, like, that forced a 90-minute runtime. Because I feel like if this movie was, like, two hours or just over two hours, it could have been really something special. And they could have really let moments breathe and let us understand this nobody character and let us appreciate him more and root for him more. Because we didn't, I didn't, I had no reason to care for him other than the fact that he had a family, right? Which is... Like, sure, I get it, but even that, like, his his family relationship is presented as not very great, right? So we don't really have anything that ties our hearts to this character, and I think it's just because it was rushed. And so I'm really curious if there was some sort of studio interference that made this film be 90 minutes, because I, I felt like it, 
if it was stretched out over a couple hours, even 30 more minutes, we could have gotten a lot better of a film. And, you know, maybe it's my own fault and I shot myself in the foot with the John Wick comparison and maybe I should have had lower expectations. And so that could have totally been my fault. But at the same time, the first time I saw John Wick, I didn't, the first John Wick, I didn't love it. I didn't like the first John Wick until I saw the second John Wick and I went back and rewatched it, right? So maybe this is similar where I'll, I'll revisit this movie in a couple years and I'll, and I'll realize or get something that I was missing and maybe turn my brain off and really have fun with it. But for now, I, I had a hard time with it, couldn't get behind it, didn't love it. And I'm going to give this movie two out of five kitty cat bracelets. And uh, now we're going to move on to some reviews. I'm going to read you some reviews of some people who loved it. And I'm going to tell you why. (laughs) They're dumb. But they're not dumb. You know, they're trying their best. Trying to be kinder. (laughs) First review I'm going to read is an 8 out of 10 review from IMDb uh, user RenoBortone91. He says, Nobody is a constant pure adrenaline. A film that takes to release the nerves with intense action irony and balls. Directed by the brilliant Ia Nyshuller, taking into account the smallest details, illuminating the chaos with intelligent shots without leaving anything to chance, and enhancing the emotions during the action. So I'm going to take a break. I'm going to pop in here. Um, my man Reno Bortone says that there are intelligent shots. Intelligent shots, my booty. None of these shots were intelligent. Anyone could shoot this film. You could pick up a camera and shoot this film. None of these shots were unique or intelligent. They were all either so bland and normal or the freaking over-the-car garage shot, which was the grossest shot I've ever seen in modern cinema. And anyone who puts that shot in their film cannot be branded intelligence. This was also the dude who directed Hardcore Henry, which is an entire first-person uh, action film, which I never saw because one of my best friends saw it, and he said that um, it gave him motion sickness, and he just wanted to puke the whole time. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to skip that. Also, each of the shots last about half a second because nothing breathed. So how Reno thought that this was intelligent blows my mind. <laughs> Uh, Reno goes on and he says, a story that is as simple as it is banal, which simple and banal are essentially synonyms. If I understand the English language, they may be a little bit different, but it's like simple and commonplace. So redundant. But he goes back in a story that is simple as it is banal, but which manages to entertain in its intent and its simplicity. Great cast with a fantastic Bob Odenkirk who leads the leads scene by scene as a good host, and the legendary Christopher Lloyd who enacts enchants and surprises. Small masterpiece that pumps blood from beginning to end, immediately inserting itself as a great one in the ranks of the genre. Um, yeah, Christopher Lloyd was absolutely surprising. It was surprising because he's not dead, <laughs> and. Yeah, Odenkirk did a, did a good job. He tried. He tried really hard. There was definitely an effort there. And I think Odenkirk's a fantastic actor, and he has the talent, but I really disagree with the fact that this movie pumps blood from beginning to end and the, the fact that he called it a small masterpiece. I, I, I would be surprised if this movie didn't get kind of washed under the radar in the next couple of years, especially considering the fact that the guy who's worked on it, the writer has two more John Wick, right? There's already five John Wicks announced. And so I, I'll i be shocked if this movie doesn't get put on a back burner and the sequels get put on a back burner and washed away and forgotten in the sands of time because it's not 
special. And <laughs> I, I to say that it pumps blood from beginning to end is a stretch because although there are plenty of action sequences, because the narrative itself is weak, I felt myself bored in the moments between the action. And then and, and I had a hard time sticking with it. Like I watched the whole movie, but I had a hard time... I don't know, I kept wanting... I was ready for it to end from the moment it started. It was not gripping in any sense of the word. It took a long time to get going, right? Like the only... Like the first real Bob Odenkirk is nobody action sequence happens probably 50 minutes into the film where he's not warming up and getting his butt kicked and he's the one kicking butt. It happens about halfway through the movie. That's pretty slow, especially with a 90 minute film because when we get there there's only 45 minutes left there's not many there's not a lot we can do with that and so i don't know i definitely disagree with the fact that it's uh pumps blood from beginning to end because i i was genuinely rather bored through a lot of it um the next review is an eight out of ten from imdb user tandiki and tandiki says i miss the old days no internet no social media, and no PC bullcrap. Nobody is a movie that feels like it came from another time. There's no fan service, no bathing in the glory of former heroes who are just way too old for that you-know-what, and no 1980 memorabilia for no reason. This movie just is what it is, and the main character does what he has to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Logic? Leave it at the door. Complex plot... <laughs> complex plot read a book this movie is just fast-paced action and a welcome escape from reality just what we need these days and this review was so odd that i had to share it and i you know i don't have any particular thoughts about what he said i think like it's a fair assessment i guess but i love the fact that he's like you want a complex plot read a book it, it, I thought that was so funny. Oh, so you're one of those stinky boys who likes to have their brain stimulated by a film? Read a book, Point Dexter. You want a movie that makes sense, that has logic? Leave it at the door, honky. This here's the cinema. No internet, no social media, no PC bullcrap. Just me, Tandiki, and my cousin wife. I thought, I, like, what is he trying to say? It kind of bums me out that that's what... Because <laughs> cinema has always been an escape, but if what we need to escape <laughs> from the world right now is to turn off our brains and just, like, be be slewed violence, then that's, I think, a pretty disappointing comment on where we're at. <sighs> Complex plot? Read a book! Cracks me up, man. <laughs> Anyways, that's all, those are the couple reviews I'm going to do. Um, if you want to go check this out, it's in theaters. I'm sure it'll release on some streaming platform soon, but there's no news of that yet. And like, I don't know. It's, it's an easy 90-minute film. I didn't love it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend my money on it. Again, I, I think it's disappointing. But hey, if you, if you don't want a complex plot, then go check it out. If you want a complex plot, read a book. And yeah. Those are my thoughts on nobody. Um, what else I'm watching this week is it's been a busy week. It's final, so I, I didn't have a ton, a ton of time to watch a bunch of things. But I, I did have the chance to watch uh, The Dead Don't Die by Jim Jarmusch. 
I think that's how you say it. Jim Jarmusch, The Dead Don't Die. It came out in 2019. It has Bill Murray and Adam Driver. And it's like a it's a it's a meta humor zombie film, which uh which I enjoyed. I thought it was pretty good, but I I wouldn't recommend it to someone who wants to watch a zombie film. It's definitely like a slow social commentary meta humor film, which is weird. And it's a movie that like embodies a zombie, which is really smart, right? Like it's slow paced and lifeless. <laughs> Which maybe isn't what you're looking for in a movie, but I did enjoy it. And so that's on HBO Max. That's what else I watched this week. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for me this week. I I appreciate um, you listening. If you made it this far, I appreciate you sticking with me. If you've listened before, if if you haven't listened before and you like what you hear, recommend it to a friend. It means a lot to me. And if uh, if there's a movie that you want to watch, if there's something you want to say about Nobody or any other movies... Um, you can totally reach out to me, send me an email at luke.jackson at thegeekwave.com, or you can tweet at me at Twitter at, at underscore underscore Luke Jackson, and I'd be more than happy to hear from you. Um, but that's going to totally do it for me this week. I appreciate you listening, and I'm going to leave you with the wise words of a IMDb user, Coreeders, who says, I've just broken up with my girlfriend because she said this movie is dull and boring. Okay, I don't have a girlfriend, but if I had one and she'd say something stupid like this, I would have definitely dumped her right there. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening. For Geek Film Critic, I'm Luke Jackson.